point in us hanging around any longer. If you're thinking of deserting, evacuating is the word. If I've only got a little time left to live, I'm going to spend it as far away from this place as I can get. We were ordered to remain here. And that's exactly what we're going to do. You speak for yourself. You will still have a job to do here, Sutter. You just don't listen, do you? You heard what he said. There's nothing we can do. Is that right, Doctor? Yes, I'm afraid so. Well, I'm clearing out. Come in, Catcher. You will stay here and do your duty. Still loyal to your glorious republic. I'd like to know what your precious dictator can do for you now. I will not listen to treason. Gentlemen, stop arguing. Just save your energy. For what? We're all under sentence of death. Oh, come on, Catcher. Welcome to Into the Time Vortex podcast. We talk about Doctor Who here, and we're going to talk about a classic Doctor Who episode called Inferno. I am Ken. Jeff. Julia. I don't have information on this episode. So John Pertwee episode, Third Doctor, from his first full season, or his first season. 1970. 1970. Season 7. Yes, yes. Written by Don Hewitt and directed by... Douglas Douglas. Campbell. Yeah. So the plot. Um, (laughs) Unit is uh, providing security at an experimental drilling project uh, that is trying to penetrate the Earth's crust to release an untapped source of energy. This all goes horribly awry when it starts to leak some fluid and transforms people into these green furry creatures um, <laughs> and to complicate things even further the doctor is then accidentally transported into a parallel universe where things are even worse um, so first off I love the parallel universe thing Doctor Who doesn't do it too often up to this point and not until um, Rise of the Sardman Yes. Did they ever do um, parallel universes? So it was kind of neat to see some of our characters in their alternate realities um, in a different sort of militaristic world and uh, how they he, the doctor's not able to basically help them, hindered by the fact that they were even more um, aggressive toward him and um, at least until the end or whatever. Uh, so I thought that was kind of neat. You had a couple different actors who were able to play different parts. Nick, um, Nicholas Courtney and um, Carolyn John playing I the thought big... Yeah. This was those two's best performance of yeah. that they've done. Especially Nicholas Courtney. He was really good. Yeah. Um... And I like the technology out of control idea. That's something that has popped up in the third doctor quite a bit. I thought the technology out of control themes were handled better in the third doctor era, better than what's happening now with technology, with um, some of the environment issues that we're dealing with. It's sort of similar. And um, I'm glad I was able to watch something where it wasn't hammered into my head. Um, like the last two seasons? Yeah. That's our obligatory, got to bring in the last two seasons just to compare. 
It was better than Thompson fifty four. There we go. There, you that's, there we hit that, our quota. Boom. That's our that's our new title, by the way. It's uh, better than Orphan fifty four. Um, and the answer is always yes. <laughs> yeah, except for Orphan Fifty Four, yes. Fifty Five, whatever. Whatever. It um, the biggest sci-fi movie cliche is what happens when you see green oozy things popping out of um, things. You you go up to it, stick your face right into it, and touch it, and that's how these people. And you get start turned into a monster, like a werewolf or something. A green werewolf. Yeah. So that not the best design. I guess there could have been a lot of other things they could have done. Um, but I, I like the unit stuff in this. I thought there were some really good characters. I, I like how the doctor's relationship with it, the administrator, we always see where he, he goes up against someone who's in charge and the doctor's just really flip it toward him and just kind of like... I'm going to do what I need to do or whatever, and there's a conflict between the two of them, even before the administrator starts becoming, you know, obsessed and possessed or whatever. Um, I like the sounds of the machine as we're in the, you know, that we have a constant thumping noise or whatever, of the drill and the, in the, once things start going crazy outside, there's a ominous, like, sound um, I thought they did a pretty good job with that. Plus, they colorized. Everything starts turning kind of a reddish color toward the end. And you can and the, see the heat. The yeah. Heat, uh, all that. Yeah. So I thought they, they put a lot of effort into this one. Um, they didn't put a lot of effort in when he was going from our Earth to the, the alternate Earth. That kind of looked like yeah. type stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, obviously... Um, I really enjoyed the first episode. I thought the pacing was one of the best. Um, it's it's as I was watching the first episode, I was I was like, I was going into this episode thinking that it was a bad one, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, I, I don't think this was bad per se. Like some of them, uh, I, I just think it's just kind of unmemorable, and, and it is long. It's not one you, you watch long. over and over again. That's the problem with that Pertwee's first season. A lot of the stories are too long. Yeah. I mean, I I, I enjoyed Silerians better than I remember it. Um, and, and I think Inferno was on par with it to a degree. Um, they had some really good locations. I love when they're shooting outside and not in the studio all the time. Um, there is a, a fair amount of talking, <laughs> which might... Uh, Persuade some people to fall asleep. I did. Uh, okay. Again, um, I, I I have a record of this episode always makes me fall asleep. I yeah. think I've watched it twice when I did rewatches where I've been able to not fall asleep. But yet again, I fell asleep during episode four and woke up during episode five, just in time to see Benton jump up and down as a werewolf, green slime werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought there was some good tr tr uh, cliffhangers, the brigade leader reveal. Um, um, I love some of his lines, like, you know, you know, I, I'm not part of this this world or whatever. Then, okay, well, you won't feel the bullets when we shoot you. Um, stuff like that. 
there was good dialogue in it. It's I mean, I mean it, there were good moments, but it was just it could have been a four parter. And, and it's weird how at the end, episode five and six are, are episode when when we're in the alternate reality, the the person who's sort of the hero of all this is Petra, a, a secondary character. And she's running around and activating this and runs back to the place and it's just sort of doing most of the legwork while everyone else is sitting around waiting for the, the power to go back on so they can send the doctor back. She's, she's sort of the hero of the whole thing. Um, which leads to... That's the only character I liked. Petra? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, that that director guy or professor was just, I mean, it's such a cliche to just have the guy that won't listen to you. And it's like, it's always the the trope and, you know, yeah. and it just went on for way too long. Like, you're an ass, we get it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't listen to anybody. Yeah. yeah and, and, I get it. I mean, it gets kind of ridiculous because it's like you, everything's in front of you. Everything, all the evidence is in front of you, and you're still gonna act like that. But um, well, he was also possessed. Well, he yeah, that, that too. Yeah. Um, I like into a green slime werewolf guy. Yeah. Um, I, I thought this was one of the worst anticlimactic resolutions for a story, where. The tension's building, and they're in the other room, and then they just walk into the other room, and, they, and you hear the overhead announcement say everything's back to normal or it's it's cooling down. Not a really good resolution, and, and I remember that back when I first saw it, and I, I noticed it again. Yeah, they just like, like flipped a switch and turned it off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, and you know. I guess in a way that the the finale of the other universe with lava coming at them not very good special effect but still the concept that the tension and and the what was happening in the other universe was so I thought it was fantastic how they built up that tension and that was you know really well done and then by the time they got back you're kind of like oh I'm not as interested in these characters because you know whatever and and not to say you don't care about them, but it's like, oh, but now... And, and they still don't believe the Doctor. He's still being chased around and everything. And <clears throat> in this case, he's able to stop it a lot easier. So maybe all the tension and, and the buildup was from the earlier episodes, and this one was sort of like an off afterthought. I, I just thought um, they did enough right in this one, and, and it didn't feel like a six-parter... I, I do seven seven part. <laughs> See, it didn't feel like a seven part. I thought it was more like a six parter. Uh, I don't know. It, it felt like it. All right. I, I just I, I didn't feel like I was looking at my watch all the time and going, oh boy. You know, there's a few that are like that. I, I thought I used to like Ambassador's Death a lot more, and I still like it. But that one I remember dragging on when we watched it recently more than I remember it. But this one didn't bother me as much. And maybe it was just a, where I was and I had time and, and I didn't really feel like I needed to be doing something else or whatever. But, um, And, of course, after you watch the second Chibnall season, everything's better. Yes. So, yeah. I, if I had my druthers, I'd rather watch Inferno than a Chibnall episode. <laughs> 
Um, except that it takes up too much of your time. I only watch it in bits and pieces, which I should have done with Inferno. I should have watched episodes one through three and then four through mm. seven in two separate days. Instead of like, oh crap, I gotta watch this. Yeah. And, and when you compare this to some of the other Third Doctor episodes, it doesn't really stand up as as well. Even his first season has a few really good ones, and then the second season takes off a little bit. But there are some mutants. You know, is Inferno uh, better than the mutants? I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of an episode that we've reviewed together that is probably not as good as this third Doctor story. I don't remember. Mutants. Uh, the stupid one with ancient Greece. What's that one called? The Time. Time Monster. Monster. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so this was the last seven-part episode ever. Yay. And, Yay. Uh, yeah, so um, there's nothing... Well, I guess you could consider 12-parters, I guess, if you can. Well, there's still a 10 and a 12-parter to, to do if yeah. they ever animate the Dalek Master Plan. But, you know, the War well, Games is 10, but you don't watch that all in one sitting. Well, I mean, uh, for Doctor Who history, because we still have... We haven't... We've never done Invasion, right? Do we do Invasion? That's an 8-parter. No, that's an 8-parter. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying for, for Doctor Who history, there's no 7-parters after 1970. So um, no. they, this is when they start shortening down to fours well, and sixes. Unless you consider Trial of the Time Lord one whole story. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Um, that's 14 parts. So um, just a couple of backgrounds, th things to throw in here. Douglas Canfield had a minor heart attack and had to leave this show. So um, Barry nice. Letts kind of directed uh, the rest of the stories, three through seven. A um, couple of people, um, Christopher Benjamin was Sir Keith Gold yep. in this. I thought he was pretty good in this, but he's he's been in a ton of other things, um, which for some reason I didn't write down here. He's he, most uh, for being uh, ja uh, the Jago, Jago from Jago. yeah Jago from Talents of Wing Chang and the Big Finish. Yep, audio is Jago and Lightfoot. Derek Newark, who played Sutton, the um, the, the guy there, um, he was in the first episode. He was Zah uh, in Unearthly Child. Was um, he really? <clears throat> yeah. Huh. Oh, Christopher Benjamin was also in the Unicorn and the Wasp episode, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. I do have it listed here. Sheila Dunn. Um, uh, um, the Petra character was originally supposed to be played by Kate O'Mara. Really? But she huh. turned it down or something or whatever. I didn't realize that. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's an interesting, uh, boy, I have a whole page of behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm not going to go into all that. There's a whole thing about the, um, the whole concept is based on a real drilling project and some controversy surrounding it. Um, Carol well, and John, what? You know, Terrence Dix was always into that type of stuff, you know, yeah. uh, so it made sense. That's why the third Doctor was like, you know, crusader for the planet. I guess Carolyn John was pregnant at the time, so she didn't want to fire the gun because of the noise or whatever. So it was sort of edited in such a way that she didn't have to do it um, when she was shooting the brigade later at the end. Um, there's no 
original music in this one. They used Can music, which just happened to be composed by Delia Derbyshire, who played who who was composer for the or the um, played the music for the theme, main theme of Doctor Who. Um, I, I guess I guess John Pertwee you... ran over a stuntman in this episode <laughs> <laughs> with Bessie. Oops. And uh, John probably got really sick afterwards, and the guy was okay. He just had to go to the hospital, but... Um, Oops. Yeah. Did uh, John just have a little bit too much of the sherry during lunch, and then they said, let's yeah. go. <laughs> when Nicholas Courtney turns around with the eye patch as a brigade leader, there's a famous blooper. I don't think it, they filmed it. I think they just talk about it, how he turned around and all the other cast had eye patches on when they turned around, which I guess... Um, Sort of uh, was was used again in River of uh, the Wedding of River Son with eye patches, um, the famous eye patch story, which went What's around. The, the, the picture of the guy behind Nicholas, uh, the Courtney Weaver's the controller on the alternate Earth, supposed to be an in joke, also. Yeah, he was. Where did I write it down? He was. Um, uh, he was some sort of editor or, or something, and they. In the original 1984 uh, movie, they they did that. They put some famous behind-the-scenes guy as as the um, what am I thinking of? The, the main bad guy, the, the the those you know, obey or whatever those signs in the background. But uh, oh, Jack Klein, um, BBC visual effects designer, and uh, they did that. I don't know. It's just, it was an in-joke yeah. type deal. Um, there's a deleted radio message scene where they're listening to the radio, and it's someone making announcements that the world is sort of falling apart, and it's obvious it's John Pertwee. But they um, they deleted the scene from the UK version, but they did release it in the US version. But it was, you know, I don't know why they did that, but it's it's not included in the DVD. It's a, an extra. But it's obvious John Pertwee trying to play one of his silly voices, and um, they thought it was too silly, and they removed it. But so, does that make the story more interesting for you, Julia? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's okay to not like this one. It's it's fine. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad it's okay <laughs> because this one is not. I'm the one who usually likes everything, and I just don't like this one. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed this one, and I don't have any arguments to try to convince you guys otherwise because I understand <laughs> where you're coming from. Because I think at one point I kind of dismissed this one. Um, this was the first time I ever saw a clip from this episode, a scene from this episode, was a black and white copy that had been circulating around before they found the color version. Did you see it at a convention or something? Or no, it was. Um, this is the first time I ever encountered a underground Doctor Who video. So you were a tape trader? No, not at this time. Somebody had it, and I was just barely into Doctor Who at the time. And they said, "Oh yeah, there's they have Inferno," and and they it just had a a scene of it at someone's house and I, I looked at it and I'm like, oh wow, that's kind of cool and and then but I think the color version may have already been found by then, but they just happened to have that older black and white copy that was kicking around 
Um, I think it was found in the United States, the black and white version, but then they found the color one shortly afterwards, or right around the same time. But hmm. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so if you guys want to start watching old classic Doctor Who, maybe this is not the one to start with. It's definitely not one to get someone in, uh, who's never watched the classic <laughs> show to be one of the ones that you show them. Yeah. Um, but I, for what it was, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a little different than some of the other ones. Not your typical invasion. The, the werewolf things were stupid. I wish they had come up with a different design. <laughs> the Benton one, he's jumping up and down. Yeah. Oh, just, God. I, I don't know what they were thinking with that. Uh, I thought some of the stunts were really good. There was a lot of jumping off of things or falling off of things and stuff. And Where did they film it? I don't know. Some... Some, some factory, I don't know. Gas plant. Or some something. refinery or something like that, yeah, probably. Usual. But I thought that was North pretty... Power Station and Industrial Estates in mm. Kent. Mm. Oh, here's a... Uh, uh, this isn't going to help, but uh, stuntman Derek Ware played a soldier, but he, he played the soldier that f fell off of the... one of the, He got shot, and he fell off of a ledge... But when he fell off the ledge, this Derek Ware, who was he played the act, he played the character, but he did not do the stunt. He was actually playing the unit soldier that shot. So he actually ended up shooting his his own character. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh I thought boy. that was kind of interesting. I don't know why they would have done it that way, but anyways. <clears throat> so. <clears throat> Anything else about this one? No. 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 No more time on this one. Okay. Well, thanks for listening.